Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Body Rappers, Angelo Luzio is happy to be the sponsor of this episode of Conversations on Dance. Body Rappers, Angelo Luzio is known for its fine, total stretch tights and Angelo Luzio shoes and has Tyler Peck, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet, as its spokesperson and designer for the Tyler Peck Designs for Premiere. It takes a dancer who lives in a leotard eight hours a day to know what is best in a leotard, so Tyler's original leotard fits perfectly. Our ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance in our beautiful, move well with the body, and won't ride up in the back. September means back to school and dance classes. Body Rappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance that include ballet, jazz, modern, lyrical, hip-hop, tap, team, liturgical, performance wear for competition and recital, as well as Angelo Luzio shoes. You may view all of their products at bodywrappers.com or to purchase Tyler Peck designs by Body Rappers, go to dancewearcorner.com. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week, we are joined by repetitor Zoe Zion. Zoe was born and raised in New York City and received her training from the School of American Ballet. After graduating, Zoe joined the Miami City Ballet in 2003. Zoe remained in the company until her retirement from the stage in 2016, dancing a bulk of the company's expansive balancing repertoire. Since leaving the company, Zoe has gone on to work as a repetitor, setting pieces for our former podcast guest, Justin Peck. Today, we talk with Zoe about growing up in a family of artists, what drew her to the Balanchine tradition, the unique challenges of starting a new career teaching ballets, and now her time working on the new Broadway show Carousel. Also, it's a family affair for these next two weeks on Conversations on Dance, so stay tuned for our next episode when we talk to Zoe's mother and beloved SAB teacher Susan Pilar. We're lucky to have Zoe Zion here with us today. We're continuing our New York tour of interviews. Hi, Zoe. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi Zoe. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we all know everyone in this room 
<laughs> we all know each other pretty intimately, but we need to give our audience uh, insight into Zoe's background. So uh, for our first question, I thought we could just uh, talk about you coming from a family of performers. What was your initial exposure to the arts and how did you get into ballet? Well, let's see. Um, yeah, so my mother uh, was a soloist with the New York City Ballet. Her name is Susan Pilar, and she is a teacher at the School of American Ballet to this day. And, you know, I got into ballet pretty much like any other young kid just starting, you know, jumping over scarves or whatever you do initially. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I started at the, the School of American Ballet from, I think I was six turning seven, which was a little young at the time for the, the first first level you know I went all the way through the school till I was 18 at some point in the middle there I decided that I wanted to do it for real um I was in all the children's productions with the New York City Ballet which is a very special memory for me and um and oh and my and my father is also a performer <laughs> I forgot what the question was um yeah so my my dad is an actor who um has had a a big career on Broadway and it's done Stephen Sondheim shows and William Finn and a bunch of bunch of different exciting things um so I also grew up uh in the audience a lot for for different uh Broadway and off Broadway and productions and um the arts have has been been a big part of my life <laughs> we're all crazy artists in the best way possible. <laughs> so with your training at the School of American Ballet and your mom's um, history with the New York City Ballet, mm -hmm. you grew up as a Balanchine baby. So what mm -hmm. is it about Balanchine's um, neoclassical style that speaks to you? And um, what made you realize that you really wanted to be a Balanchine dancer? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, well, I guess, I, you know, I grew up watching all of those his incredible works and I don't know I think primarily a lot of it had to do with music and I think I realized at some point that it just always felt either watching it or doing it that you were the music and that was just always uh, so fulfilling and joyous and it just felt so right all the time um, yeah I'm getting emotional talking about it because <laughs> it's 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 incredible. It's it's just it became a, a part of who I was, who I am. So <laughs> wait, guys, I wasn't supposed to cry during this podcast. <laughs> like what? Passion. <laughs> passion. So much passion. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So. And I knew I knew that I wanted to be in, in a balancing company. And so after I didn't uh, get into the New York City Ballet, I was definitely interested in joining the Miami City Ballet. Um, that's one thing that we've talked about before on the podcast is kind of dealing with a disappointment or a setback seemingly in your career. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure for you growing up in New York and at SAB, you really wanted to be in New York City Ballet. What was that like for you when that didn't happen? And mm -hmm. how did you realize that your path was going to take you somewhere else and, right. in a successful, great way? Yeah. Well, I was lucky in a sense because... <laughs> um, because I came from a family of artists and there was a certain realistic element that was instilled in me. And I think it was just, you know, wanting to prepare me for whatever was to happen, you know, nothing's a guarantee. And, um, 
for whatever reason at the time, you know, Peter didn't see me in that company and that's what that was. I was always, I remember because there was a lot of kids, you know, or parents that weren't as uh, subjected to, you know, they didn't necessarily know the ins and outs and it was like, must be in the New York City Ballet. My kid is going to be in the New York City Ballet and I'm good. And the kids would be like, I have to be a young, you know? And of course that's everyone's, when you're at that school, that's everyone's dream. Like, of course that's where you want to be. And that is absolutely where I wanted to be. Like, don't get me wrong. But I remember like at kind of a young age being that kid being like, guys, don't worry, there's other great companies out there. Because like it was, you know, I had been schooled that, you know, there's other places to dance and that um, whatever happens, it's okay. And um, so I definitely, when the time came, especially because I had such a history there and I had been there since I was six years old till I was 18, I was, it was definitely a hard thing to deal with. It wasn't like, you know, I wasn't okay for a a little while there and most people aren't for a second just because it's, you know, Michael, you you understand, but it's, it's just that it's, you all just want it so badly, but I did feel prepared to know that I could still easily be a balancing dancer and have a career somewhere and be fulfilled and get the opportunities to do these incredible works that I just were in me and I needed to be able to to share and experience. So, yeah. I think there are so many factors we don't look at either. You have this like very myopic view of what you're, it, or just general, not specific in the way that in hindsight you can say, you know, this ballet, let's take Vols Fantasy, the early version mm-hmm. that, that um, Miami City Ballet performs from 1953 that no one else does. Balanchine did it then and then he redid the ballet. But you got to perform a principal part in that in the, the first cast and mm-hmm. that's something you literally would never have done had you gotten in that company. Yeah. But when you're 18, you can't see your no. whole life laid out like that. Right. So um, it does take that adjustment period. Yeah. And when I think about for the amount of ballets that Miami City Ballet would do per year, per season in my time there, I mean, the list of balance sheet works that I ended up doing was like, it was immense. I mean, there was just so many. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how did I get that many in? And then like those, I mean, I was there quite a long time, but then certain gems like that, like ballets that don't even go anymore having, you know, danced under Edward Voila. So yeah, it was like even more special and parts that I just would have never done, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, So you did end up, obviously you did all these wonderful ballets. Uh, During your 14 years with Miami City Ballet, you did uh, principal roles and masterworks by Balanchine and Robbins and new works by Ratmansky and Peck. And you performed in New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles and Paris. Uh, what were yeah. the most sad? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, put it on paper. And... <laughs> um, so what were the most satisfying elements of this major professional career versus the most frustrating? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, definitely everything you just listed, it's, you know, it was amazing. The, the, the um, getting the opportunity to do certain certain roles and of a certain caliber that I you know always was like so hungry for just because I loved the roles so much you know that when that would happen it was um it was really fulfilling and at times more than others just in terms of depending on where I was in life or how much effort it took to end up doing one of those parts because you know there's there was definitely a lot of um 
moments of perseverance or feeling maybe like I was up against something, um, you know, being a, it, it, it was best of both worlds in a way because I was a court of ballet member and I was getting to do these soloist roles and sometimes these principal roles, which is really unique. And at the same time, I was a court of ballet member. So, you know, it's, it, it was, um, sometimes, okay, here's that one show, that one shot at this part that I had to pretend like that was my norm. You know, like, oh, yeah, I do this kind of thing all the time. Like, cause I didn't want to ruin it for myself or be, you know, nervous or anything like that. So sometimes I would say that that was a struggle at times. Um, and, um, and, and depending again, at what point the load of taking on the work of the, of the core and also focusing on these featured roles and kind of just balancing that, not being, um, fatigued or whatnot um but I got to do all of it so that's that's a big plus you know so yeah for sure yeah I was gonna say that that's kind of the challenge right or a a specific challenge for being in the core and dancing some of these lead roles is a lot of times too it maybe isn't on Friday night it's like Sunday night or Sunday afternoon and you're exhausted because you did every single ballet in the core Mm -hmm. and then you got to switch it so it is and though like of course being a principal dancer comes with his challenges as well and but it's just such a different experience and it's just so much harder on your body and on your psyche too to do all of that yeah We will return to Conversations on Dance in a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor, Dancewear Corner. Are you sick of wearing the same old, same old in the studios every day, but just don't want to spend hundreds of dollars for just a few items? Well, at Dancewear Corner, you can freshen up your look for a fraction of the price you may think. They carry all the major brands, including Body Wrappers, Block, Morella, Capizio, Sodanza, and so many others. They even just stocked up on the Zarelli tights we have told you about in the past here on Conversations on Dance. So why wait? Click over to dancewearcorner.com now to freshen up your look for the new season or the new school year. And if you're in the Orlando area, check out their huge superstore. One of your most prized qualities as a dancer is your mind. You execute everything you do so thoughtfully and intelligently, drawing on your deep well of knowledge about our art form. And this was obviously going to come in handy for the next step. And indeed, one of the first things you were tasked with after leaving Miami City Ballet was staging Justin Peck's You're the Rabbit for Houston Ballet. Mm -hmm. As a dancer, we have to know our roles within the ballet and perhaps we cover one or other one or two other things um but was it daunting to have to learn what about 18 people do in one ballet (laughs) wow yeah it was um thank you for that by the way that was very kind um (laughs) i um yeah it was cool it was an experience like i i felt prepared going into it you know it was the first time I had to come up with a system my system of how to learn a ballet in the first place um I had luckily I had danced you know one of the two of the roles in that in that ballet one in the core and one of the principals so I knew some of it in my own body but I had to you know at first you know watch videos and and learn the ballet and learn the whole thing and the patterns and and it's interesting because I repetitors that you know I think everybody has their own system on of how they they learn the material and so um that was interesting to kind of just like get a system down and then when I figured that out I I was like okay I think I'm I think I'm ready and I showed up in Houston and um there's just things that you don't 
you can't really prepare for that I just hadn't thought of. First of first of all, just like speaking, like opening my mouth to explain things. Like I was like, first day I was like, okay guys, um, we're gonna make a diagonal line here, and uh, like looking around, like realizing they have no idea that's not clear enough like i gotta like take uh-huh. people's bodies i gotta like shove people around and be like this is what i mean and this and this and um so uh luckily i had uh craig hall with me who's um works at the as a ballet master at the new york city ballet now and um uh so that was extremely helpful to start and then he had to leave and i was on my own eventually but it was by that point i had kind of figured it out but it was it was really I feel like what was the hardest for me at first was seeing everything at once I was like how how can I see okay someone's over here on stage left someone's over here on stage right like I need to watch 12 people over here and then also the principal over here and like how like how can I see everything then I realized it's like it's okay if you miss one or two things it's fine and then you go back and but I definitely had to stand up on a chair because <laughs> yeah I, had, I definitely I had to I had to stand on a chair to see like bird's eye view um and then once I was confident that everybody knew the material that's when the fun part started because for me it was fun to help you know help people make, make this make it look right make the style work and um help them understand it and that that was that was the fun fun part for me yeah for sure so it was interesting it was a great experience so how did you f- go through your process and figure this out? I'm just like uh-huh. interested to know. So because I know you and I spoke about it a little bit, mm-hmm. like started watching the videos and yeah. you're like, I have to write all this down. I have to notate it. Did you go through a process of like, I'm going to try it this way and then like, oh, I don't understand my notes and I should right. try another process. And have you, do you feel like you've even figured it out yet? Like it pro- takes a long time. Yeah. You know, it's weird. I'm still I still feel like I'm figuring that out. What I would say what I'm learning is that. I found myself writing down the ballet, mm-hmm. like writing it down, like the steps. And, you know, some of that vocabulary, some of Justin's vocabulary, you can use ballet terminology. And sometimes you have to say like the scissor kick jump, like, you know, you have to come up with your own terms. Right. And then I'm thinking like, well, who, who could I show this to someone? And would they understand this? No, I don't think so. So this is like, okay, but, but that actually, that's how we passings around in the dance world is kind of just like, word of mouth videos yeah I mean maybe eventually that won't be the case but that's kind of the way it goes it's a little bit like gray area in a way but what I learned is that even if I didn't necessarily understand what I had written down it was I was learning it Mm -hmm. like there was interesting moments where it's like how could I you know I'd be sitting stationary watching a video and writing thinking like, well, did I, what did I, I'm just writing things down, but then I'd walk away and I could envision it in my head. And I was like, oh, you learned that sequence sitting there. Now, separately, then I'd have to get up and try it on my body. Cause until I, until I, I, and maybe, I don't know if, if that would change eventually, but I don't think so for me personally. It's like having been a dancer, the way I learn is to feel it in my body. And otherwise I don't necessarily think I fully know the movement. So I would do that and then kind of go back and forth between those two things. And then, of course, there's things like patterns, which you really just have no choice but to just write, come up with some graphs or whatever your system is. Again, um, if I showed that graph, that chart to somebody else about this person goes behind this person and this one crosses in front of this, I don't necessarily know. They'd be like, oh, this is clear. I try to make it 
so someone else would get it. Like, sure. that's my goal now. But, you know, it, yeah, it's it's like a process. And I think people probably just keep figuring it out. Or I think the job of a repetitor is so interesting because it's one of those jobs that the audience might not think about immediately, mm-hmm. all the work that goes into it. So how much time did you put in, do you think, before you even hit the studio with that? Oh, a lot of time. A lot, yeah. right? <laughs> like yeah. weeks, right? Yeah, weeks for sure. Yeah. For sure, weeks. And um, and I and I don't know, you know, that was my first time. So I don't know eventually if people change the amount of time they spend beforehand. But also just that to, to write an entire ballet down, it takes time. And then you also need to like step away from it. And uh, definitely weeks for sure. <laughs> uh, after spending years being instructed as a dancer, what was the sudden role reversal like? Um, mm-hmm. Was there a learning curve for that? Like, like I mean, you you spoke already, I guess, about opening your your mouth. <laughs> but um, I do feel like right. we always have well, the conversation. I, I had no problem opening my mouth as a dancer, yeah. as we all know. <laughs> no, I mean, I think on the spectrum, I was maybe not the most quiet. Wouldn't uh, you guys agree? Yeah, in Miami well, City. <laughs> yes, but that's part of why everyone kind of knew yeah. you were qualified. Right. Yeah. But it is one of those things. It's like you. You won't. You can't know how you are in that role until sure. you do it. So what was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, um, did anything surprise you, or were you just like, "Oh, yeah, this is normal"? <laughs> what I found, and I don't. Again, down the line, like who knows, like what evolves. But I feel like I felt so close to the to the dancers just because I still f- am a dancer. You know what I mean, or or not, or who knows. But <laughs> but but I just I I felt like. It was, um, you know, like we were in it together. Um, the one thing I would say is that um, it's, I have a new appreciation for the job. Um, I mean, I always appreciated it, but there is, you know, it's a, it's a very selfless thing. You have to just completely dedicate yourself to making it look right to the best of your ability and there's just certain things you can't let get in your way that as a human being potentially could like if a dancer looks like they're annoyed at you or if they're you know if someone's frustrated like you you kind of have to say all right I don't really care because I mean you care Mm -hmm. but you can't make it about you like oh they're upset at me and whatever because it just it just gets in it gets in the way and it's not I don't think it's necessarily always an easy thing to do because of course you're a person and you're gonna have moments where you're gonna respond to that kind of a thing right. but I think it's a very important thing to do so it's like a, a new skill in a way right. um, I didn't have a hard time with that especially with the Houston Ballet dancers and they were so welcoming and um, they're a really great group um, but I could see that that how that could be something to maneuver depending on your personality and depending on what you have to deal with on a daily basis, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was it, I guess, in terms of like a new skill. Was it, what was um, the experience of having to get dancers who are more in the classical idiom? You know, the Houston ballet dancers are often very Russian looking, very classical company. Um, to do a peck work that, uh, while Justin has his own uh, look, certainly, and aesthetic, mm-hmm. it is heavily influenced by George Balanchine mm-hmm. because he went to the School of American Ballet and danced all those ballets for so many years. So 
you had to kind of give those classical dancers that look. Yeah. And maybe that's something they weren't exposed to before. But how do you relay that information to right. them? Like you're still trying to get out steps, but then yeah. you have to, to get into the yeah. details of the steps. And that, again, that was the most fun part for me. <laughs> and I, I always wanted like more time for it. Right. But I have to say, I mean, they were actually extremely receptive and it just like side note just i i was expecting more of one style from right. them and they really knew how to to adapt like it was really great but yeah in terms of i think for justin's work um besides the uh athleticism of it and you know there is this element influenced by by balanchine um of kind of like the weight bearing, like where your weight needs to be on your legs and you have to be like ready to pounce any second and like um, uh, the weight over the balls of the feet and um, the arms uh, arriving before the legs and all those kind of little stylistic things. And yeah, we, we worked on that a lot actually. And it was, they really they responded really well and they, they enjoyed it. It's fun to move like that, mm-hmm. but you can't move that way without those, those um, details. It, it makes it like impossible. So we, we spent time working on that and, um, and yeah, there's just the musicality and being on top of the music again, something similar, um, with the Balanchine ballets and, um, so yeah, there was there was we focused on that a lot. Uh, so your next project is uh, working again with Justin Peck, and it's on a revival of the classic musical Carousel. So that's sort of a beautiful marriage of the musical theater world your father inhabits and the dance world that you've spent your whole life in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the differences working in musical theater, or some of the advantages and disadvantages that come from approaching that world, but with a ballet dancer's uh, viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's really exciting. I it's still quite new to me, and I it's fresh, so I I maybe not fully formula- formulated on this one, but um, yeah, I'm excited. It's it's a little more of a collaborative effort. You know, you have of course like Justin's the choreographer, but then you have like the director, and you have the musical director, and you have all these elements, and. Um, Right now, for me, at this point in my life, it's really exciting because it kind of removes me from what I'm used to, but incorporates my dance history and um, especially because Justin is choreographing it and it's very dance driven. Um, And uh, yeah, just being involved, uh, helping him during the creative process is also entirely new for me and which is a a little different again coming up with a a, yet another system because it's not like I can sit down and watch a video of something that's already been made it's being made and and I'm there helping and and watching it evolve um and also documenting it as it as it evolves um so those are all new elements but it's it's a it's a light atmosphere I think it's it's uh you know people from the theater world it's slightly slightly different maybe not as um they i don't want to say they take themselves less seriously because that's not that's not true but there's there's something light about it that's that's new it's fun you know it's it's a fun environment 
So you have been participating in some of a little bit of the audition process for this carousel. And I just wondered, as we're talking about the difference kind of running a rehearsal or being in the front of the room, you're also now a part of a selection process, a casting process. So what are have the challenges been there for you and and what do you do to make the dancers feel comfortable? Yeah, it's 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 interesting because it's um, again, it feels very fresh when I've was on the other side of it all <laughs> and I might still be again you know I don't know what the future holds but um yeah I just think it's important to stay as empathetic as possible and it's actually enlightening to me because I did feel very empathetic and certain you know nerves or, or whatnot I was thinking like oh you know when I felt that way I felt like it was the, such a monumental thing to feel that way and I must look like this and I must look, seem like this and I was sitting there and I was like I didn't have those judgments on these people you know what I mean so it was actually I was like huh I bet those you know with me it was the same thing you know it was kind of enlightening but um yeah I just think to to make it as much of a process as possible and an enjoyable experience with you know whatever the reality of it is is probably how I'd approach it as I continue on with this process so yeah so what's most exciting about this project for you and what are you most looking forward to? Well, I mean, theater has been a huge part of my life as well as um, alongside ballet. And, um, you know, I love songs <laughs> and I love, yeah, no, I love, I love musical theater and um, just to, to be around, to be in a room with such a diverse um, uh, selection of talent, you know, between these fantastic dancers and singers and actors and directors and producers and just that's new and um, it's inspiring. And I hope that it inspires me to think new things about the future and open different doors and for, for area, new areas for me to explore down the line, because it's, you know, still a, I'm still in transition, as they would say. But, you know, I think I'm learning that that's it's not like a transition that just ends. It's like life now, you know, and it's constantly going to feel transitional compared to the life we had in the structure of the ballet company and the regimented schedule. And I I don't think that it'll ever feel the same. So kind of adjusting to that concept and letting it be an exciting thing and not like a really scary thing. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay, so now we're going to step into our lightning round um, where we just ask you a few questions and you give us a quick response. So uh, what was your favorite onstage moment? Oof. Favorite onstage moment. Um, I'm really bad at this question because <laughs> I had so many. Um, I loved doing Justin Peck's um, Lord Paw and Year of the Rabbit. It was just really special for me. You're so great in that. Thank you. <laughs> um, is there one ballet that got away during your career? Ugh. Or a role? Role or oh. I would have loved to have done like dream role. Yeah. Um, the Emerald's lead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Miami city Valley needs a guest this year oh. or not even Miami city Valley. You know, like every company on the planet's doing jewels. Yeah. I'm sure someone okay. wants I'll come, needs yeah. you to do the I'll come part. Guest. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, favorite correction to give, to give, uh, I steal this from my mom. The forward, be forward. Wait 
forward. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Best thing about staging a work versus dancing it. Best thing about staging a work. Um, Not being as nervous. I was just going to (laughs) say, did you get nervous though? Like watching from the front as like a different. I didn't get to see them perform it. Oh. But um, I'm sure I would have been a different nerve. I'm sure there's other nerves. I know people get nervous in the audience, but yeah. What is your dream ballet to stage? Dream ballet to stage. Jules would be amazing. Like the whole thing. Yes. Jules <laughs> <laughs> is always popular in this segment. I like Does everyone use that as an answer? Well, it's a really I good think, answer because, yeah. yeah, you get it all in. Because so when ballets. people, when we say dream ballet, ballet, people are like, Jules. <laughs> oh, I didn't even say that. I picked one. Yeah. I picked one Jewel. That was. That was <laughs> yeah well thank you zoe thanks guys we love you love you guys (laughs) thank you thank you for joining us this week on conversations on dance stay tuned next week as we have a wonderful chat with zoe's mom and school of american ballet teacher susan pilar you won't want to miss this one so follow us now on social media at at conversations on dance and subscribe now on itunes so that you will automatically be notified when a new episode goes live Thanks for joining us this week on Conversations on Dance.